Testing, testing. Still way too loud. Dang it, Jamie. Can you please come get Ellie? Okay, let's try the skin. You're listening to the Neurodivergent Nurse, and I'm your host, Jamie. I'm a registered nurse who has ADHD. On this podcast, we will talk all things ADHD. I'm really just beginning to learn about this diagnosis and how to navigate through it. But I am so excited to take you on this messy and raw journey with me so that we can learn together. So let's get started. Hello, 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 my incredible neurodivergent friends. I feel like it has been so long since I sat down to record to talk to you when in reality it was only a week off that I took. I do apologize that I didn't give a warning, but every year around the 1st of August, I take off for my birthday. And if you're a part of the Patreon family, be sure to keep an eye out for mail because I just so happened to send you postcards from the vacation spot that was chosen for this year. Okay, so enough about me and this past week. Let's just go ahead and get to the good stuff. This week's episode, I'm going to geek out just a little bit about the chemicals that deal with our brain and the way that we seek hits of dopamine. Correct me if I'm wrong. But at times, it feels like the ADHD brain is never really satisfied. This is especially true when it comes to common sources of stimulation like video games, sex, substances. I want to talk today about why our brain craves these things and how it affects our day-to-day behaviors. I genuinely love all things medicine. I love the technology. I love the way that science and medicine just keeps changing and growing and how there's new innovations to so many things that we didn't know before. These advances in technology, they're offering us an increasingly bigger window into the neurological basis of ADHD. We now know that differences in structure, functionality, activation, and connectivity all come into play. The key to understanding your behaviors, those behaviors of why you act the way you do, is to understand the needs and the wants of your unique ADHD brain. If friends and family can't make sense of your actions, and you know, sometimes you can't either, learning how your brain works will help explain your behaviors. Okay, now, Hang with me for just a second on this part. The brain regulates our responses to stimulation. Okay, easy enough. And it needs to be engaged in order to function well. That makes sense, right? Optimal arousal allows our brains to be alert, to be receptive, and ready to attend and to learn. Generally speaking, non-ADHD brains, they are aroused well by shifting internal and external stimulation of everyday life. It doesn't matter what type of fluctuations they have in that stimulation, their brains can operate with reasonably sustained focus, and that focus is fueled by dependable coordination of neurotransmitters. These people can self-regulate with relative confidence and exercise an adequate amount of control over their own behavior. Okay, real talk. ADHD brains, they just don't adapt as easily. Our brains have their own rules of engagement. 
our brains are motivated by its search for optimal stimulation instead of the things that other people perceive as important. Our degree of arousal differs based on whether the request for our attention comes from an internal desire of ours or an external demand. We aren't making conscious choices to ignore external demands, even though it really seems like we are. Instead, we have these internal motivations that are intrinsically more meaningful to our brains and As a result, more dopamine becomes available. Just a super fast insert about dopamine because I'm not sure if you know what the correlation is between that and the ADHD brain. No one knows exactly what causes a person to have ADHD, but some researchers have looked at a neurotransmitter called dopamine as a possible contributor to ADHD. Dopamine allows us to regulate emotional responses and take action to achieve specific rewards. It's responsible for feelings of pleasure and reward. Scientists have observed that levels of dopamine are different in people with ADHD than those without ADHD. Some researchers believe this difference is because neurons in the brain and nervous system of people with unmedicated ADHD have lower concentrations of proteins called dopamine transporters. The reason why so many people with ADHD are actually medicated with stimulants, these amphetamines such as Adderall or Ritalin, they work by increasing dopamine and stimulating the focus. These medications increase dopamine levels in the brain by targeting dopamine transporters and increasing those dopamine levels. Some people believe that taking a high dosage of these medications will lead to greater focus and attention. It's not true. If your dopamine levels are too high, it can actually make it difficult for you to focus. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get back to talking about how our brain seeks dopamine and what we can do about it. Concerns about time or consequences, those are really minimized by our pursuit of pleasurable reinforcement. Whether it's through sensation or hyperactivity, our ADHD brains can lead us to scan the environment for engaging stimulation. So when their super boring task can't be avoided, it becomes compromised in its ability to choose goal-oriented responses. Typically, people learn from their experiences, right? And that is their motivation to learn because it seems like there's going to be some type of reward if you make the right decisions. However, behaviors that increase our dopamine are even more gratifying to those of us with ADHD brains. Key aspects to the reward system are underactive in ADHD brains. That makes it really, really difficult to get to a reward from ordinary activities. Our dopamine deficient brains experience a surge of motivation after a high stimulation behavior triggers a release of dopamine. But after we get that surge and reward, our brains return to baseline levels with an immediate drop of motivation. You may wonder why it's so difficult for you to do things. Well, it turns out that this is one of the many consequences of reduced dopamine in the snaps. If most stimuli appear equally compelling, it's really difficult to figure out and to do the one that's most important. So as a result, Stimuli need greater personal relevance, right? You need larger, more immediate, or even repeated rewards to be attractive to the ADHD brain. All in all, ADHD brains really struggle to sustain motivation when the rewards are mild or 
they're linked to really long-term gratification. It's funny to think, even talking about this, but let's say right now is August in North Carolina, it's 90 plus degrees. If there's a cool sweater on sale that I'm just in love with and it's a great price, I cannot bring myself to purchase it because I I want that gratification now. I want to buy a cool shirt or a top or a dress that I can wear in 90 degree weather. I will not, absolutely will not buy winter clothes in the summer because I need that gratification now. Since our ADHD brains struggle to sustain motivation when the rewards are mild or it's more of a long-term gratification, our ADHD brains search for stimulation that can increase dopamine more quickly and more intensely. The brain's pursuit of pleasurable rewards may become a potent form of self-medication. Every behavioral reward that has been studied has been shown to amplify dopamine production, and this includes food, sex, exercise, competition, and music. High-risk activities like driving fast, motorcycle riding, water skiing, all of these things motivate ADHD brains to really focus. Some extreme activities like daring ski jumps or skydiving or taking fast-acting street drugs elicit a dopamine spike. And that is the brain's most... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Most intense reward. Some ADHD brains have benefited from the greater dopamine involvement that is intrinsic to high-intensity, high-risk careers, like those of emergency medical techs, firefighters, ER doctors and nurses. However, nicotine, caffeine, alcohol, opiates, risky sex, pornography, gambling, physical risk like reckless driving and compulsive buying, those also increase dopamine even more. In fact, all substances or behaviors that can ultimately result in dependencies have the ability to increase the release of impulse reinforcing dopamine. Our ADHD brains are highly motivated, but they're highly motivated to find that unique balance of stimulation that enables our optimal functioning. Whether ADHD brains overreact or underreact to the stimulant at hand, they rarely engage with moderate stimulation that falls somewhere in the gray area. Our ADHD brains tend to respond at one end of the continuum in most but not all areas of functioning. These opposite routes to the same goal explain how a high-energy, outgoing, talkative, oversubscribed individual and a shy, low-energy, passive, and withdrawn person can both have an ADHD brain. For some ADHD brains, optimal functioning involves augmenting the existing stimulation. That means that those brains They seek louder, faster, bigger, funnier, riskier, and the more intense, the better. Boredom is a common complaint for the people with these brains. For us, it's physiologically uncomfortable when our under-aroused brains struggle to engage with our environment. 
In fact, in mundane, low-stimulation situations, our restless brains may compel us to increase the intensity level with fidgeting, noise, laughter, even conflict. These more impulsive ADHD brains have their own logic. In some, stimulation is good, but more is better. This is the signature short-sighted philosophy of brains compelled to choose immediate rewards over the long-term gratification. In our hunger for greater stimulation, our ADHD brains can suddenly find ourselves in a state of over-arousal. Now, there's so much need, but most are unable to modulate the responses to the needs. Our brains can't anticipate an impending crash. The fun suddenly gets out of control. The laughter takes on a tinge of hysteria. Sights and sounds bombard us until we're completely overwhelmed. We're ambushed by physiological overload. This makes us become irritable, tearful, restless, even aggressive. When this happens, our brains abruptly demand that everything needs to take a break from the commotion because then it has to regroup, to recharge. And when there's this sudden and total withdrawal, it leaves confusion to everyone else who only knows the spirited stimulation seeker of those of us with that type of ADHD brain. Then you have the other end of the continuum. There are ADHD brains that can barely tolerate existing levels of stimulation. These brains kind of teeter on the brink of sensory overload, and they seek every opportunity to escape from the bombardment. Unexpected or new stimulation that is experienced feels like an ambush. It causes great discomfort, frustration, and irritation. People who have hypersensitive brains reduce stimulation by avoiding group activities. They tune out conversations, and they even isolate themselves. They shun busy department stores, loud concerts, big parties, and they typically prefer to stay where they can control the level of stimulation that they receive. These brains find comfort in the self-contained world of video games with an internal structure that offers complete control over the kind of amount of stimulation they select games with rewards that strongly reinforce their brains. These rewards offer pleasure within a cocoon. It shields them from the unpredictable minefield of personal interaction. As a result, video games have incredible habit-forming potential for the inattentive ADHD brain. Did you know that food activates the dopamine reward center in all brains? Not just ADHD. However, especially for the more impulsive ADHD brain, it leads to a torturous daily self-regulation challenge. The low levels of dopamine, it interferes with focused self-regulation, and that increases the likelihood that ADHD brains will be inattentive to the factors that let most people eat in moderation. In addition, ADHD brains exhibit decreased glucose metabolism compared to those without ADHD brains. This results in less energy available to the attention center in the prefrontal cortex. As a result, ADHD brains send out a distress message that demands more glucose. If you don't know, glucose is sugar. And the owners of those brains suddenly crave sugary foods and carbohydrates because those can quickly get converted into glucose. Glucose increases dopamine and serotonin. So your brains experience pleasure and greater calm. A lot of people with ADHD indulge themselves in pasta and cookies when their brain actually demands those foods instead of salad. 
Chocolate is appealing to ADHD brains because it increases the sugar and it has an added simulation of caffeine. I mean, with knowing that, it's really no wonder that those of us with ADHD struggle with diet and nutrition. Because when we self-medicate with food, our brains enjoy a surge of dopamine. Specifically, for the impulsive ADHD brain, this perfect storm of rewards increases the likelihood of overeating. Let's talk about sleep and the reticular activating system. The reticular activating system in the brainstem, the reticular activating system in the brainstem is responsible for regulating arousal and the sleep-wake cycle. In ADHD brains, the RAS, reticular activating system, is not regulated. Circadian cycles skew toward higher activity levels in the evening. And obviously, this is going to result in later bedtimes and later waking up. Actually, a lot of people with ADHD celebrate when they finally have time to themselves late at night. I have always said I naturally am a night owl. I come alive about 11 o'clock at night and I just want to stay up and do all the things because just as I said, there's not a lot of distractions around at that hour and I'm energized. I think that's also why I loved night shift for a decade. This is when those of us with this type of brain are attracted to internally driven activities like watching TV, engaging with social media, looking at porn, playing computer games. With our greater arousal, which is often experienced as a second win, these brain-pleasing behaviors are actually being reinforced. Studies show that blue LED light from screens, it definitely increases the alertness while it suppresses the normal elevation of melatonin. With delayed melatonin production, ADHD brains are flooded with both internal and external stimulation into the early morning. This delays sleep and it makes it difficult to be an early riser. Certainly hate mornings. And yet, here I am, waking up at 4.30 every morning, go to work. Understanding what ADHD brains want makes it clear that the struggle for self-regulation is neurological, and it has nothing to do with character deficiencies. For example, it would be easy to misinterpret the following scenario as a standoff between two partners. Imagine that your partner asks you to pay the electric bill, and you say to yourself, okay, I have time to do that. But when you sit down to do it, you get distracted. The ADHD brain needs higher stimulation in order to complete this task with minimum payoff. Your ADHD brain says, that task is way too boring and I just, I can't focus on it. Find something that interests me more and that offers me a bigger dopamine reward and I'll work with you. It doesn't matter that you know that you should pay the bill like you promised. If your brain won't engage, it's a terribly ugly standoff. Maybe after a day of procrastination, you know, when your partner will be home in 20 minutes and the bill's still unpaid, there may be enough of an adrenaline rush from a sense of crisis that your brain will engage you to pay that bill. The ADHD brain and its owner are at odds with one another. It's difficult to compel a disengaged brain to engage by just a force of will. In fact, a lot of the treatment for ADHD involves learning to psych out the brain. ADHD behaviors are frequently mislabeled and they're misjudged by society. And there is some comfort in knowing that 
there are neurological explanations for seemingly incomprehensible behaviors. I warned you this episode, I just wanted to geek out on the brain and the importance of dopamine and why we do what we do. I hope from this episode of the Neurodivergent Nurse that you understand on a deeper level why your brain makes you do what you do. And I also hope that you can reflect as you think back on this episode of the podcast, realize it's neurobiology. It's not just you. For those of you who listened to this episode, thank you for making it this far. And if it was really boring to you, I apologize. We all have different tastes of things that we're curious about. But next week, I'll bring an episode that is more based on tips and tricks and all of those great things of ADHD. And if it was boring to you, or if you loved it, but you're still listening... I have a joke for you. What kind of music is scary for birthday balloons? Pop music. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I can't wait to talk to you again.